It's an organization where even though um, we're all working remotely, it still feels like a very tightly knit organization, one that um, allows us to have very constructive debate when that's what's needed um, and to work collaboratively when that's needed. Um, so there's, there's a lot of flexibility built into how we work both physically and conceptually. Got up, did my emails, and I went out for a couple of hours, and now I'm back at my desk working. Um, and I think that's probably less acceptable in larger organizations that expect you to be sat and present for um, a specific period of time. But actually, having the freedom to take that time out and away means that I'm more focused when I'm back in the office. And also, quite often, I have some of my best um, problem-solving thoughts and creative thoughts, not when I'm sat in front of my laptop um, engaging with, with my email. And so those, those in-person moments for our team are pretty special. And very often it's more about connecting with each other um, in a social way, as well as planning, um, as well as um, thinking about if it's a member meeting, what we need to do to, to get ready for that session. I feel um, very close to my DWG colleagues. In fact, I feel closer to some of my DWG colleagues than people I used to sit next to in, in other organisations where I used to be physically present all of the time. Hi, I'm Paul Miller and this is Digital Workplace Impact where we investigate and explore the ideas, practices and people that are impacting the new digital worlds where we all work. Digital Workplace Impact is produced by the Digital Workplace Group, a strategic partner and boutique consultancy covering all aspects of the evolving digital workplace industry through membership, benchmarking and boutique consulting services. And if you'd like more information, visit digitalworkplacegroup.com. So this is another extra bit of intro um, for today's episode because the episode was recorded a little while ago and was all about um, the history of DWG, which has worked remotely for almost 20 years now. And what's it like having 100 people and no offices? Um, everything in the past now, kind of pre-COVID, sounds like sort of memories from a, a kind of bygone era. Um, and And I think there's something quite refreshing and rewarding listening to people talking about working practices that predated the virus. Um, because I think it gives us an insight into things that have been developing for years that have now been accelerated. So I'm really just kind of acknowledging the fact that this episode was recorded before COVID-19 um, happened um, and still has, I think really useful lessons for the organizations that are now way more familiar with remote working and home working than they ever were either by design or just the way that things have had to be um so i think there are really lessons in it i'll just leave it at that thank you A little bit of a different episode today. Um, one of the things that people get very interested in when I talk about DWG and particularly the fact that we've got around about 100 people and we don't have any offices. We used to have offices and now we don't. And they kind of go, how do you work? What does that mean? And, and I often feel that 
the fact that we don't have offices is not really the most interesting thing about DWG. Um, but it's kind of thought it'd be interesting to get some experiences and insights of what this is actually like working for DWG from two colleagues of mine who've been with the organization for quite a long time. Um, Louise Kennedy, um, Lou is a lead consultant for DWG, um, lots of experience around user-centered design, has worked with many different organizational clients of DWG, such as the UN High Commissioner for Refugees, Estee Lauder, um, and also my colleague Nancy Goble. Nancy is the Managing Director in charge of Membership and Strategic Partnerships for DWG. Um, and I'd like to start by a welcoming you both onto the show today and and just ask you a kind of question. So imagine you're talking to, let's say, maybe your mother or your grandmother about DWG, basically somebody who doesn't know anything about DWG. How would you describe the company? And can I start with you, Nancy? Of course, I actually have had that conversation with my grandmother once upon a time and one of the things we talked about is that back in the 30s, she was one of the progressive working women in the Caribbean. And of course, back then, everything was done with telephones, carbon copies and typewriters. And we talked about the fact that essentially my, my office was contained in my phone and on my computer in a lot of ways because I was a remote employee working years ago for J.P. Morgan and then subsequently for Digital Workplace Group, what had once upon a time been done heavily through lots of paper, had moved onto electronic channels. And so with DWG, it was not so difficult to have the conversation and say that essentially um, I was leading uh, the work around a private club of executives who are very focused on making sure that they deliver an electronic or digital workplace that allows them to be um, an employer that uh, people want to work for. And in order to do that, we conducted a variety of research, um, comparing organizations to each other in order to be able to help lead the way to doing that successfully. And she actually understood it. <laughs> Great. And, and, and how would, yeah. And how would you describe, if you like, the, the, the culture of the company? Well, I'd say it's fast moving, um, agile in the sense that um, we have lots of different client demands coming to us and we're looking to creatively connect them to other organizations, to expertise across the team and to resources. Um, it's an organization where even though uh, we're all working remotely, it still feels like a very tightly knit organization, one that um, allows us to have very constructive debate when that's what's needed um, and to work collaboratively when that's needed. Um, so there's, there's a lot of flexibility built into how we work both physically and conceptually. And, and just, I mean, how does that get achieved? Because if you think, you know, nobody's in an office together, yet you say the company's actually got a kind of closeness. I, I mean, how that seems to me kind of 
counterintuitive. It is in a lot of ways for those who sit on the outside. But in reality, we um, think about things in a very deliberate way when it comes time to collaborate together. Um, we work um, very extensively with video calls. We use document sharing to come together on different work deliverables. So we use technology as a connector, as an enabler. But we also try to be very thoughtful about those opportunities when we come together face to face. So as an example, I'm based in the New York area and several times a year I do make the trip to the UK and it's one of the, the few times that I get to interact with my colleagues like you and uh, Louise who's in session with us today as well as the extended team. Um, but we also use opportunities with our member organizations to connect face-to-face -face through a variety of in-person meetings. And importantly, we take advantage of those moments to have the team come together for working sessions as well. So that may be the day before a member meeting or the day after. And so those, those in-person moments for our team are pretty special. And very often it's more about connecting with each other um, in a social way, as well as planning, um, as well as um, thinking about if it's a member meeting, what we need to do to, to get ready for that session. Um, so it becomes a rally call for us and an energizer, um, I can say for me personally, um, and it, it carries the energy um, until I can get um, to the next opportunity to connect with colleagues and, and clients alike. Mm -hmm. Great. And, and Lou, so same question. Imagine you're talking to, well, it could be any relative, really, um, about DWG. So, so how, how do you, so they say, so what's that lie? What, tell me, describe it to me. I definitely didn't do such a good job with my grandmother um, because <laughs> I used to I used to explain to her what I did and uh, she used to shorthand it to Louise works with computers, which uh, <laughs> I used to try and point out that most people do now, Gran. But and yeah. that wasn't you know, that wasn't highly specific. But but anyway, mm. um, so, yeah, so I guess from from the point of view of how I describe it to um, to my peers and other communities that know very little about digital workplace group or even user centric design. And, and what I really do. Um, I just talk about the fact that we're a network of sub subject matter experts across the world that come together to help large organisations make life a bit easier for their employees and subsequently also, obviously, you know, the productivity of the organisation. So that's largely how I would describe us. And, and I get the same pushback around well what do you mean you have no offices and you know don't you miss being able to go into an office and interact with with colleagues um but i echo what nancy said really uh, i feel um very close to my dwg colleagues in fact i feel closer to some of my dwg colleagues than people i used to sit next to in in other organizations where i used to be physically present all of the time and i think that part of that is due to our culture um, I think we have very open, honest and authentic discussions between us. Um, and also, as Nancy mentioned, all the 
tools that we put in place to facilitate conversations, to facilitate collaborative sessions, working sessions together, all of those things. And then the in-person moments in time really help us to bond. Um, but certainly, and I guess as well, I would say that a lot of our clients are global in reach. So it wouldn't particularly be that. So, for example, at the moment, I'm working with clients who are based in Copenhagen as well as in New York. So actually, it wouldn't serve me well to be in an office in London um, right now anyway. So I guess that's what I would say around our culture and how close we are in terms of um servicing the clients I think that works absolutely well um, and certainly when I say actually you know I don't feel people starved sometimes quite frankly I'm on I'm on the phone six or seven hours of the day in different meetings so I certainly don't feel that I haven't had any in-person interaction even if that's on um, video calls or over Skype I still feel I've uh, I'm, I'm plenty close to everybody I work with. Okay and uh, I mean what would you say is is different to what I'll call a sort of typical company, um, Lou. And any examples that sort of um, come to mind when you think of that? So I guess from, um, I think there's still a, a mindset in larger organisations that if you're not sat at your desk, you're not being productive. Um, so uh, just in the warm up to this call, when we were testing out the audio, I said, well, this morning I spent two hours um, cross-country ski training so I got up did my emails and I went out for a couple of hours and now I'm back at my desk working um, and I think that's probably less acceptable in larger organizations that expect you to be sat and present for um, a specific period of time but actually having the freedom to take that time out and away means that I'm more focused when I'm back in the office and also quite often I have some of my best um, problem solving thoughts and creative thoughts not when I'm sat in front of my laptop um, engaging with with my email and mm. um, so I think that's different I think um, and certainly when I'm talking to my DWG colleagues it's okay to say you know I've done something different today <laughs> you know I haven't yeah. been sat at my computer since 8am and, and and been glued to my seat for the last you know five or six hours mm. yeah I certainly know that for myself um and obviously i've got a sort of strange role hosting the podcast but also ceo of the company is that i i really love the fact that people can do what i might think of as quite sort of exotic or unusual things so when you were telling me lou that you'd driven your van over from france to norway um took you a week working while you went and you're still there and you're doing these things, I think, great. And then we've got, you know, another colleague is, is in New York this week, um, working in a cafe in Williamsburg in New York. And it, it works. And I think, actually, that's really, I mean, from my point of view, as the CEO, I think that's a really positive thing for the company, because actually we get really terrific people working for the company, who actually find this a very liberating place to work. And, and Nancy, I mean, what, what would you say are the sort of differences? Any differences to when you worked at J.P. Morgan Chase? Well, I think I'm a bit unique in that I was the first virtual employee at J.P. Morgan. And so I've been working flexibly, remotely, digitally for many years at this point. 
the biggest change that I've seen is that um, nowadays um, flexible working policies are mainstream for many organizations. The technology was quite archaic. I remember I used to have to fire up my computer a half hour before I wanted to actually sit down to work online, whereas now it's you know instant on, I can work anytime, anywhere. Um, I remember in those early days when a call would come in, the first thing people would say to me is, I'm sorry to disturb you at home. And I had to create a culture <laughs> of unlearning, exactly, <laughs> to say, actually, I'm at my desk earlier than most. And, um, you know, I'm excited to take your call. Let's dig in so that mm-hmm. people weren't thinking that I was spending the day, I don't know, eating bonbons or doing the laundry or running errands, mm-hmm. that I was just as productive, if not more productive, than my colleagues who were sitting in the office. Mm. So, it, so, and would you say, Nancy, this is all about kind of remote working, flexible working, or are there things going on that are kind of uh, sort of culturally or other, in other ways different? I think it's a unique experience um, in a lot of ways, partly because of the culture of the organization. It's a space where I think as a team, we feel like we have room to experiment with our work practices, with our interactions with colleagues, um, as well as working flexibly. And I think at the core, um, because of your leadership, we've all felt comfortable taking risks to, um, to service the needs of our clients, if not to surpass them day to day, because there's that, that undercurrent of flexibility in everything that we do, both physical and conceptual. So it's a unique culture. Um, but I think there are certainly lots of learnings that can and do apply to the clients that we service and out into our wider industry circles as well. Yeah. And, and Lou, what do you think our clients think of this is it is it seen to be a kind of negative a positive or just something that's sort of intriguing um i actually think they're genuinely interested and intrigued so i've had conference calls where i've been sat on a ledge out to sea on a sea cliff and you know a client's <laughs> wrong and said can we have a quick chat and i'll say yes i'm uh, i'm actually you know halfway up a cliff right now but if it's okay with my buddy we can spend 15 minutes sat here on this ledge um and at first they're quite shocked, but obviously they're quite grateful to have the conversation and, and get an issue ironed out. Um, and I think they find it um, interesting because also um, I'm very similar to the DWG colleagues. They know the quality of our work. They know our output. So they're not in question. So the fact that we might do them in uh, slightly, uh, slightly unusual circumstances sometimes, I think actually actually appeals to them and, and finds them quite interesting. Um, I used to have a series of calls after that saying, where are you today? Are you OK? <laughs> <laughs> are you sat yeah. down somewhere before we start this conversation? So, yeah, so. I think they actually um, I think they actually enjoy it. And also it brings out the, the more human side and it enables you, enables you to break down a few barriers and have some conversations about things that perhaps you wouldn't have done if you were just having a, you know, a standard work, work call. Yeah. What do you think, Nancy? 
I would certainly echo that. I know it often starts off as a, a point of curiosity when people hear that we have no offices and haven't for many years. But then they start really probing to understand how we work the way we do, what the challenges are, what the opportunities are. And then I find them trying to extrapolate nuggets of information that they can bring back to their colleagues. Or they'll use um, DWG's practices to try to help influence what's going on internally. So what may start out as a request to have you, Paul, come in and do a talk in person might actually end up being done remotely because it's an opportunity to show that you can um, draw in a global audience um, under circumstances like that or reach people who are in remote locations. Whereas if you were to come into a client's physical office, it's more restrictive. Um, there might be other cases where we have done benchmarking report backs uh, remotely as well with the same principle in mind, that it's inclusive, it's flexible, um, and it allows for wider participation across a group of stakeholders. And so um, when we can use it as leverage to help expand the thinking of some of the client organizations that tend towards more face-based cultures, it can help start to create small changes that can impact how work gets done day to day. Yeah, I mean, and I know that, I mean, when we closed down our London office, it must be, I don't know, six or seven years ago, I, I was pretty nervous about it. And and actually, the thing that surprised me, and there was a colleague, you'll remember, An Angela Paul, and she said, and I, 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 I'm not even sure where she's she was based, some, somewhere in near Chicago or something like Ohio. that. Ohio. Ohio. Okay. And, and she said that actually she thought it brought the company closer together when we didn't have any offices, because all of a sudden there wasn't a sort of head office where things happened that she either actually or just, you know, um, imagined, felt excluded from. So it created this sort of level playing field because everybody was as connected as everybody else. The other thing that I'm just kind of thinking is that, you know, and I have to remind myself that at one time, both of you in your roles when you were in practitioner organizations were clients. Um, and, you know, it must be sort of 10 years that maybe more that each of you worked for DWG. And, you know, there's that flow through of people who were clients become part of the team, maybe then go back into industry. And um, be, I just wonder whether that would be a bit more awkward if it involved a physical place that people came to rather than just a different kind of conversation mm. in, in, in digital spaces. I guess one of the things that's coming to mind for me, Paul, is that I think we have little snippets of exposure around that. Um, in some of our partnership activities. And I'll never forget, there was a, a working session we had with a partner and um, there was a, a document open on screen. And our natural inclination is to jump right in and start adding comments and um, working very collaboratively real time. And I remember this partner saying, actually, no, no, I'm taking notes for the group. Um, don't don't add anything. Don't touch anything. Whereas, um, you know, we're very used to just jumping in and um, collaborating not only verbally, but through 
um, through documents that we share and exchange real time and can build on each other's ideas. So I can imagine that if, if I were in a situation where I needed to go back into um, what I would term a more traditional um, office setting, that I'd have to rethink some of my practices that are automatic and figure out how to create some sort of groundswell effect around how do you collaborate when you're together, but you've got tools in front of you that can enhance the conversation. Mm. And um, Lou, Lou, what would you say the challenges are about this way of working? Because, it, 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 you know, it can't all be upsides. No. So, um, oh, well, Nancy knows me well and I love a good workshop with lots of post-it notes. So um, so when I so when I am face to face with clients or um, managing member meetings, then I, I really like to uh, to brainstorm and get uh, get information out of people in that way. So you just have to be a m- bit more creative about how you do those things online so that you can still get the maximum output of, say, a workshop, but without the face to face interaction. So um, just thinking about the software you use the face-to-face versus the the productive time so so being a bit more creative and then I think obviously um, some things around basic needs so offices um, have been well set up in terms of working environments and I can certainly say that living out of a living out of a van in the middle of Norway in winter and also using it as your office does present some challenges so for example Mm. I was part way through a three-hour three-hour workshop last week and the heating in the van stopped working and I couldn't move because obviously I wanted to uh, um, I wanted to hear the rest of the content of the call so I was putting every item of clothing I possibly had on <laughs> to stay warm um, but but the upside is I was very very focused um, if not if not bouncing up and down a little bit so yeah so there's some, some basic problems like that um, thankfully uh, um, things like 4G mean that it's really easy to get connectivity and there's you know lots of wonderful coffee shops and things that you can visit um, I think sometimes it can be difficult to find an adequately quiet space for something like this where you're um, where you're talking a lot and, and therefore you know that's not an ideal sort of situation to be doing in a coffee shop um, mm. and then I guess uh, I would say just in terms of working with clients that are possibly less used to that hands-on collaborative um, approach that Nancy was talking about actually when you're having to work on large projects with them um, encouraging them to to think you know I don't have to be in a meeting room with you we can spend two hours working together on something and both be remote we can both be looking at the same document we can both be adding to it in the same way as if we were sat next to each other and I think that's quite new for, for a lot of clients who um, for a lot of large organizations who are just used to sitting next to each other and getting things done that way um, but then they realize, oh, no, we can still have a collaborative session. You know, it doesn't have to be a meeting where we discuss stuff. We can actually get things done um, and we don't have to be side by side. But I think that takes a little time. Mm. And, and Nancy, um, what do you think the challenges are? I guess a couple of thoughts come to mind for me. One is just in talking with some of my DWG colleagues at different points in time, they've talked about needing to work through issues of isolation and several of those individuals have started leveraging co-working spaces just to be around the energy of other people when they feel they need that, um, that connection, that human connection outside of um, team days or those 
connection points that we make um, during member meetings and the like. Um, I'd say that's one challenge. And then the other is is really um, building personal connections. And, and I say that because looking back at my days at J.P. Morgan, um, we had free lunch built into our day. And part of the thinking behind that was that it would force people to get away from their desks and away from the busy and to connect with each other and um, to forge social bonds um, while you know, carrying on over lunch. And so when you're in a virtual setting, you don't have the opportunity to take a walk with someone at any point during the day and have a coffee with them or sit down over lunch. And so you have to create um, those opportunities to make connections with people. And so um, my answer to that has been creating what I call virtual coffees with people. And that's both um, in our DWG team, as well as in my wider networking circles. And it's, you know, just typically a 20 minute, half hour opportunity to get together with someone once a quarter to just catch up, check in. It's not a formal agenda with you know, specific work deliverables tied to it. It's just an opportunity to really connect with someone um, in a way that we would do if we were sitting across the table from each other. And I find that those really help um, build important um, connections across the team and enable me personally to stay connected with my wider network in a way that might not happen otherwise. Yeah, I mean, I think it's an interesting point because obviously you sort of, we, we sort of don't know what we're missing or we sort of do know what we're missing, but we also, in some ways, wouldn't know things that might um, be enabled, supported innovation if there was more of the, if you like, shared, consistent, uh, physical kind of proximity. Um, I mean, I, I, I think that, you know, sometimes I've noticed that as an organisation, and I like the fact that some people are, if you like, forming little clusters and going to co-working spaces together. Um, you know, there seems to be more kind of gatherings happening where we're going to work through some upgrade to some of our services or thinking together. And and I and I think that's a a positive thing because I think it's not. It shouldn't become like a a sort of purist way. We we have to work with no offices. That's what I mean. The thing that I enjoy probably most is is the actual culture because I do think um, the freedom flexibility that comes from the way we work, but also the fact that there just seems to be sort of less kind of politics and the fact that you know for you Lou it's the chance to you know, do this, the kind of adventurous outdoor life that you like for somebody else, you know, it can be, they want to spend more time with their young kids and, and share things like that and get, get the kind of benefits of not being as absent as a, as a, as often parents have been in the past. And that's really kind of um, a great thing to see. One of the things I'm just sort of wondering is, do you, do you think that the way that we work is is applicable only to other kind of relatively small organizations or or can this scale what would what, what you think lou um i i do think it can scale i think um 
obviously in a lot much larger organization you've got you know kind of different networks and your network you know takes time to grow etc whereas you know we are relatively small from the point of view of being able to know um who does what within dwg relatively easily um but having said that i mean a lot of the clients I've been working for through DWG, um, most of the different stakeholders are located in different places and in different time zones um, and different countries. So I think, you know, quite often, for example, technology people sit somewhere different to, say, HR or communications. So I do think that large global organizations will kind of work that way anyway, to a certain extent. Um, but I think what's, as, as we mentioned, possibly what's different is just that, you know, the ability to not necessarily have to be at your desk, that that kind of that freedom and also that authenticity in culture. So, for, say, for example, when I say to you, oh, I've been doing this, there's a genuine interest and, and, and you're really, um, you know, you take the time to find out a little bit more detail about that as opposed to it being kind of potentially frowned upon. Um, so, yeah, so I think it I think it in large organizations it does scale at the moment um but i think certainly not having any offices at all means as you say there's there's not somebody that feels left out because you know they're the remote worker and everybody else is maybe in the office having a, a meeting in person about a particular topic mm. yeah and i i think it's interesting to think about what you know what can large organizations learn from from a from a small organization like us and i i would say that actually starting to look at reducing your own physical travel for environmental reasons so um what about if I, if if you as an organization traveled 5% less as an organization that's probably not enough to to damage the organization's kind of engagement productivity and to make more use of the tools that are available because obviously you know train journeys car journeys uh air journeys they're, they're kind of not fundamentally changing they're just sort of getting from a to b but the technology that can potentially replace that is is improving all the time so making more use of that i think is something that you can learn um nancy uh, uh, what, what things do you think we could um, you know, in a way, bring as, as as good practices or learnings from DWG to to larger organisations. Well, one of the things I'm thinking about is that many organisations are comprised of teams, pods, squads, meaning smaller groups of individuals who are coming together for specific purposes. And so, when you take you know the behemoth organisations and you break them down into these smaller units you have the freedom to experiment with different ways of working that allow you to bring the creative best out of the team. And so my longtime philosophy has always been start small and build. And so um, if you can find leaders that are willing to experiment in these ways um, in order to attract um, you know, a, a diverse group of thinkers um, it can pay dividends quite rapidly. There are still organizations where you have managers that, you know, still are in that command and control phase. And over time, those are individuals who will cycle off of uh, leadership positions. And I think you'll continue to see more experimental 
leadership coming into play as more and more organizations work with agile um, setups. And so, um, you know, I think that this idea of taking what you can learn from small teams, small organizations, and uh, building from there um, is, is a good working model. It helps you manage risk and um, create a safe space for creative play and failing fast if and when that happens and adjusting and then testing and, and learning something new. Hmm. And, and Lou, is there a sort of, um, I don't know, a kind of iconic story or example from DWG life, either from your experience with it or from what you've seen around you that sort of, I don't know, kind of stays with you as a, as a, as a story of, of that sort of typifies or surprises? So I guess, you know, I guess, I guess for me, it's that it's that absolute uh, coming back to that, that freedom to kind of design your day around what you need to achieve. Um, so so for me, it's really about, you know, I know the outputs that, that I want for the day. I know the meetings I've got to have. Um, but in and around that, I can find time to say, for example, um, climb a frozen waterfall, uh, before 2 p.m. and then be on a conference call, uh, a conference call with the client, and then work till later in the evening. Um, but I've made the most of the daylight and still had, you know, kind of an epic adventure before before my full workday begins. So something like that, right through to um, the ability to work in a cross-functional team with my DWG colleagues, where none of us are in the same. Uh, none of us are in the same location, but we're all working on the same project and collaborating and sharing ideas online, building on um, building on documents and presentations together that we're delivering to the client um, and knowing each other really well and being able to have that humor and human human interaction, even though we're all kind of um, disparate. Hmm. And uh, Nancy, anything come to, to mind for you? I'd have to you say, want- and I iconic moment for me was the first trip I made to the UK. I had been working with my colleagues for probably three, three and a half years by that point, And I had met very few of them face to face until that first trip. And I just remember thinking of it as an icing on the cake moment. Um, we were clearly connected. We could work through problems together, but it was um, my first realization that those in-person moments um, are important and special um, and enhance the relationship, um, but weren't the, the sole basis for building strong relationships. You can do quite a lot of that from a distance if you are thoughtful about it. And so, again, I thought of that as an icing on the cake moment. Yeah, and I think uh, one, uh, I don't know, uh, comes to me is it kind of strikes me sometimes that maybe it's because of our culture, maybe because of the long-standing relationships we've had with so many large organizations is, is how close people in the company get to different consultants in the company. You know, I, I think there's, you know, I, I see um, in a way DWG are kind of uh, clients, organizations we work with, other people who come in as all part of one kind of system. So I don't see it as sort of inside and outside 
and obviously there's a kind of commercial basis to different relationships but it but it amazes me you know how close people can get which is fantastic so the question i love to end with is um always the same one what's a perfect working day for you so nancy what's a what's a perfect working day i have to say um my current work setting is my favorite room in my house. And so if I'm working there and I have a mix of interaction with colleagues, with clients and potential clients all in one go, that's an ideal day for me. So it's the diversity of conversation, interaction, all rolled up into one day. Fantastic. And Lou? Um, can I have two? <laughs> of course. I, I, want to, I want to be greedy and have two. So my first one is I like to reserve the morning for creative thought and the afternoon for meetings. So in the mornings, I'm, you know, I, I, I like to produce things, think about them and then produce things. And then in the afternoon, um, client calls. And again, I'm very similar to Nancy. I like to have a variety of different people to speak to and, and problems to solve. Um throughout my throughout the afternoon um so that'd be one um and obviously all of that interspersed with some sort of outdoor activity otherwise i just go a little bit mad even if that's just walking the dog in the forest just um uh, something to do um i try and reserve the kind of super adventurous for, for when i have a bit more time um and mm. then in and then I also really love our member meetings because I get so excited <laughs> about seeing people face to face. And I think what you said is really true, Paul, that actually um, there's a lot of our members that come to our member meetings again and again. And some of them I've never worked with in a consulting capacity or done anything for other than um, helped facilitate the member meetings. Yet I still feel a connection and close to them so and familiar faces. So I think it's lovely to feel all part of that one DWG family, whether you're a client or a consultant or a facilitator, whatever role you happen to be playing that day. So, so I really enjoy those. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you so much. And um, it's been wonderful to talk to you about, you know, your experience of working for the company and, and what that's actually like. And um, it's been tremendously interesting to listen to the conversation. So thank you so much, Lou. And, and thank you, Nancy pleasure thank you both thanks for nice to be on digital workplace impact is produced by the digital workplace group a strategic partner and boutique consultancy supporting more than 100 leading businesses and public institutions to advance their intranets and broader digital workplaces through benchmarking research and practitioner expertise for more information, visit digitalworkplacegroup.com. And if you'd like to listen to previous episodes of the show, go to digitalworkplacegroup.com forward slash DWG underscore podcast. This is Paul Miller wishing you well until next time. <laughs>